The Deep Dive with Nick Baby. Welcome to the Deep Dive with Nick Babel. I'm your host, Nick Babel. Um, I would just like to thank all my, you know, listeners. Um, definitely have taken some time off this summer. It's been pretty crazy uh, between my job and working on a career um, path, you know, plus summer stuff. Um fully vaccinated so getting some some actual outside time with my family um so it's just been a crazy summer and uh i haven't been recording as uh, regularly you know as i was um and i'm an avid podcast listener so i i get it like some people like consistency and hopefully i don't you know turn anybody off with that but um you know, even the biggest podcasts who who actually get paid to do this, um, they take vacations. So that's kind of been where I'm at with that. Um, so as you can probably tell, this is a solo episode um, and it's going to be a series. This is the first episode in a, a series of episodes. Um, so this is a series on... Um, as some of you may know, my day job, I'm a private investigator. Um, so what that means, you know, I've worked the past three and a half years um, as a surveillance investigator, a claims investigator, and an SIU investigator. And SIU stands for Special, Special Investigative Unit, or yeah, that's what it stands for. A lot of uh, abbreviations and acronyms and stuff with with this job and you know i like to think i have a lot of them memorized but sometimes you know you think of the word in your head a little differently than what it actually is but that's what that stands for um right now i work under a company license um that means you know i get paid you know, to work for them, I take the cases they tell me to take, and uh, I do the specific work that, you know, that they ask me to do, and a lot of it is, um, you know, workers' comp investigations, um, disability, you know, stuff like that. I mean, I've done some other stuff with it, and it's been very interesting, too, so um, currently, I'm company licensed in New York State. Pennsylvania and and Massachusetts. Although I work primarily, I work in New York and Pennsylvania the most. Um, I worked in Massachusetts. Uh, I did like a ten days in Massachusetts or something like that. Um, but if they have to send me there, I'm I'm licensed there. Um, so I wanted to do, um, you know. There's a couple of reasons I, I thought this would be interesting to do a, a small series on this. Um, you know, um, you may think, what does this have to do with podcasting? You know, like my show has been mostly interviews and, you know, stuff I'm interested in. And, and um, you know, I still plan on 
doing a lot of interviews and stuff and I, I love doing that and um you know and if you don't find this one interesting obviously you know you don't have to listen to these ones but I posted um kind of an innocuous comment on reddit a couple weeks ago um it was on some thread about some woman that might be you know faking some disability stuff with getting the vaccine you know it was really you know nonsense stuff it kind of looked like and everybody was you know saying she was a scammer and and you know pointing to the videos and you know in my opinion it, it looked like she probably was full of shit um but you know just an opinion um but anyways so people you know we're talking about that and i just put a little comment that i you know i worked as an investigator you know i did a lot of disability stuff and you know i i don't know exactly what i said but it was like a one or two sentence comment well i ended up getting like 2000 upvotes for it and then i had a bunch of people in the comment thread saying wow i'd love to listen to a podcast that talked about this stuff and about that work you know that'd be really interesting and stuff um so that got me thinking you know that might be an interesting way to go um but you know with pi work you got to be really careful there's privacy laws there's just um ethics and standards um but there's other PI podcasts out there with licensed investigators. Um, and there's ways to do it. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk and, you know, and maybe tell some stories. But I'm not going to use, you know, any names of people. Um, I might mention, like, a big city that I've, I'm working in. But I'm never going to give street addresses or you know, anything, anything specific, you know, and I might, I might even uh, change a name or a location just to, you know, cover my butt, you know, so that's what I'm going to do with this. Um, the, the other reason I am going to be doing this small series is I am <clears throat> fairly close to getting my own personal private investigator's license now you know how does that differ from working under a company license well in new york state um, i will be able to work my own cases now obviously i'm not going to be working stuff that competes with my company because you know i want to keep working for them and you know work on my own stuff on on my time and uh, hopefully make money doing it. And, you know, maybe it turns into something down the road. That's, that's the plan anyways. Um, but I'm going to be doing a lot of uh, hopefully working for attorneys, um, defense, you know, interviewing and um, defense attorney stuff. You know, um, I got a, a small list of stuff that I'm going to, I'm going to try to do, um, you know, so 
with that being said, I'm working on a website for my company, for my solo um, company, sole proprietorship or whatever. And, um, you know, one part of that website is going to be a blog and a, a YouTube section. Um, so I will probably post some clips from these um, episodes on my website. Um, you know, it just helps get traffic to the page and SEO and all that stuff. Um, so <clears throat> that's the impetus behind, you know, me wanting to do this. Um, and I hope people find it interesting. And, uh, you know, usually when I tell people what I do, they're usually like, oh, you're the first person I ever met that does that. Or, wow, what's that job like? Um, I bet that's crazy. And, you know, um, a lot of people's minds go to cheating spouse, cheating husband, cheating wife, uh, PI, you know, shooting video or pictures through a window or something. It couldn't be further from that. Um, for one, my company doesn't do that type of work. And my solo stuff is not going to do that. And the business, <clears throat> that that type of stuff is high risk, high reward. It, it pays very well. But there's a lot of, uh, it's, it's, you know, kind of a dangerous uh, lane for private investigators, to be honest. And I just have no, I've never had an interest in that, that stuff. Um, and, you know, I don't know about every state, but in New York and Pennsylvania and probably Massachusetts too, you can't shoot uh, video or pictures into people's windows. It's privacy laws. We don't do that stuff. It's illegal, you know, um, at least in these states, you know, in the movies and the TV shows and stuff, whatever. But, you know, that's why it's fiction. Um, so, yeah, you know, um, this first episode, I am going to do a topic that is, you know, from a certain category. Um, you know, and like I said, I'm not going to violate privacy or oath, my oath and, and stuff like that. But I wanted to... Um, do, do a little episode on my most dangerous moments and a few other stories that have been shared to me by other investigators who I, I won't name, but, you know, some stories that they've told me about dangerous, you know, moments. Um, and this is just some of them. There's probably, there's more than these. And overall, I, I don't think the job is like super dangerous, you know, um, but, you know, I don't carry a gun, you know, my, my company doesn't allow us to, I wouldn't anyways, it's just not my, I'm not a gun guy, never have been. Um, but, you know, if you're smart and if you're a good talker and you don't need a weapon, you know, you can get yourself out of most situations with you know, with your brain. And uh, that's how most of the stuff goes when it starts to get 
you know, dangerous or testy or, you know, just find a way to talk yourself out of a situation or calm the situation down. So, but there have been times where stuff's just gotten a little wild and, um, you know, the first story, um, is probably the overall the, the wildest four hours I've ever spent out on a case. Um, now, you know, dangerous, I don't know, but it, it was definitely crazy. Um, so I was, it was one of those things too, where it wasn't just one thing. A lot of these times, you know, the stories, you know, something happened or this happened or that happened. This was like one thing after another. And honestly, it was kind of like watching a movie from my car. You know, just all the stuff that was going on. Um, I set up in a neighborhood in Utica, New York. And again, I'm saying the city just because it's a big city. Um, Utica, New Hartford, um, New York Mills. It's all it's all right there. It's a big, you know, bigger city um, up in central New York, um, east of Syracuse. Um, so the... The, the first part of the story, I, I pull into the neighborhood and the stop sign on the street is half spray painted, blacked out. And then there looks like what appears to be a gang sign on the top sign. Now, I'm not an expert on gang stuff or anything like that. It could have been, you know, kids fucking around and. It probably was that, but it, you know, it looked, it was definitely tagged. And um, that was my first uh, inclination that it was, um, you know, uh, a rough neighborhood. Um, it was residential. It was, it looked like a lot of houses that were apartments. Um, so, a lot of on-street parking, which in this job is a is a great thing because, um, you know, you can blend in a little better. A lot of people just ignore vehicles parked on the, the road because people park on the road. Um, that wasn't necessarily the case on this one, which I found out. But uh, so the I set up there. Um, you know, I'm watching a specific residence. It's an apartment house. It's a big house. It looks like it's got a bunch of utility things on it. It's definitely more than one apartment. Um, I'm there about 30 minutes. Um, it's raining at this point. You know, just not hard, but, you know, it's it's just regular raining. And I it's... At this point, it's like 8.30 in the morning, maybe. And I see a guy walking down the other side of the road with a bottle of Jack Daniels, clear as day, not in a paper bag, nothing. And he's tipping it back. I mean, he's drinking it straight from the bottle, you know. And he looked rough, and uh, 
but he had an umbrella, which I thought was kind of funny, you know, just, just some guy at eight 30 in the morning, just drinking his, you know, drinking right out of a Jack Daniels bottle with a, an umbrella in one hand. Um, you know, I don't know if that's wild to anybody else, but to me, that was, uh, like another sign that like I'm in an interesting neighborhood, you know, now when I set up in the neighborhood, um, first thing I do is I call the local police. And the reason I do that is so it avoids any neighbors or people calling suspicious vehicle, um, stuff on me. The police know I'm there. Um, 99% of the time, they're really cool. Um, they want to leave you alone. They don't want to, they don't want to get you made. Um, so it's just a, it's a courtesy and, um, there's, you learn as you do the job, there's certain places that you really got to do it. And like, uh, certain places you don't, um, Sometimes when there's on-street parking and I feel like I'm going to blend in fine, maybe I won't call. But this day was pretty early on in my career, and um, I was still learning. And I, at this point, I was calling, you know, when I pulled in the neighborhood. So I definitely called the, you know, called the local PD and uh, just let them know and no problem. And, um, you know... Not too long after that guy walked past, the rain stopped. And then uh, this lady came out of one of the houses. Um, and it wasn't my claimant's house. It was a house, a couple houses down. And she comes over to my vehicle. I'm like, you know, try to be friendly, but, you know, you're a little annoyed too. And this lady was throwing off big attitude right away too, which is a, you know, a bad sign. And I could tell as I rolled down my window, you know, when she's talking to me, I could tell she was, she was deaf or at least partly deaf just by the way she was, how she was talking. Um, and I just explained to her, you know, I'm just like, I'm working. It has nothing to do with you. It's a public street. I'm, you know, I'm here. I, said I already called the cops and they're fine, you know, but she's jawing at me and get out of, you know, wants me to get out of her neighborhood and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I'm not gonna, um, you know, certain cases depending on when there's any real threat or anything, you do want to bug out of the neighborhood or, if you can find a better spot, um, you know, you kind of learn as you go. And again, this is really early in my career and um, I wasn't moving, you know, public street, you know, I'm doing my job. She can, you know, she can take a hike and as far as I'm concerned. So she's out on the sidewalk um, for a bit and I think she gets on her phone. I'm not really super paying attention to her because I'm watching the place I'm supposed to be watching. Um, then all of a sudden, a cop rolls up by me. And I put my window down and the guy, the cop looks over at me and he goes, P.I., right? 
I said, yep. I said, I did call in with you guys. He's like, yeah, I know. He's like, this lady's making a big, big to do about it. Um, he goes, I'm going to go tell her to, to fuck off and mind her own business. And I just laughed. I'm like, all right, man. And, uh, you know, that's what the cop said to me. So I'm like, all right, sounds good. So he does, he pulls up, you know, near her and she's jabbering at him and making hand gestures. And I could tell at one point he told her, I don't know if he told her to shut the fuck up and go inside, but he probably told her in a nicer way to do that. And, uh, she looked upset and annoyed, but she was like, you know, whatever. And she went back into her house and the cop just waved and he left. So again, this isn't so far, not super crazy. You know, these are just little things and sometimes these things happen, but then, (laughs) um, not long after this, uh, 15, 20 minutes later, she's back in her house. Nothing's going on watching this house. And then a black SUV just pulls in front of me, an empty parking spot. Ass is still sticking out kind of in the road, but the front bumper is touching the curb. Four guys jump out. They're all wearing uh, like black pants, uh, you know, cargo pants. With, they look like they have badges on them. Um, and uh, and they're all, they're not dressed like cops. They're wearing like, I know this is a politically incorrect term, like wife beaters, those white shirts. Um, I know we don't call them that anymore, which I get. Um, but I don't know if white, white male tank tops or whatever they're called. So they run up to the house that I'm actually watching and they pound on the door and it's uh it's a summer day or spring and I got my windows down especially now I want to see what the fuck this is about and um I hear him yell something like bounty hunters open up and pound on the door and a woman opens the door Uh, I'm looking for a guy on this case so it's not my guy and they stick a paper in her face, maybe a picture of somebody or whoever they're looking for. And she says something. And a couple of the other ones are looking around the side of the place and, uh, you know, doing whatever they're doing. Then all of a sudden the guy turns around and runs back to the vehicle and they all run to the vehicle. They hop in and they just tear right out of there. And whatever she said to him, you know, he, they took right off. Now, to this day, I'm super annoyed that I didn't, like, get out and be like, hey, man, hey, guys, what's going on? Like, who are you looking for? Is it my, you know, like, but it was, this ha- all happened so fast. And I was like, again, it was like watching a movie. I'm just like, whoa, what, what is, what is this? I've never... Never seen that happen. Never have seen anything like that since. Um, and I didn't even get a chance to, to find out what exactly they were looking for, who they were looking for and stuff. Um, but it was wild. So at this point, I'm really like, like, man, this is, this case is nuts. And, uh, you know, 
they leave. Um, not long after this, the house next door to the one I'm looking at. You know, again, this is all happening back to back to back. You know, 10 minutes in between, maybe, these things. Um, the house next door to the, the claimant's house. And a claimant is a term um, for the the person that's being investigated um, or the person that has the insurance claim, as it were. Um, so if you hear me say the claimant, that's who I'm talking about. So the claimant's possible residence, the, the house next door, a younger guy, probably in his 20s, um, comes out on the porch and um, a young, younger girl too, you know, late teens, early 20s, comes out and they got a little baby in a stroller, maybe a one or two year old. And um, they're out there for a little bit sitting on the porch and then walking down the street comes this other, you know, woman. And um, she's a tall, good-looking woman. Again, young 20s. I'm just watching this again. Like, if I had popcorn, I would have been like, you know, just what is going on? And she goes, she goes over to the porch. She walks over them, and she just starts jawing at them. Why you got this bitch out here with our kid and, you know, this dumb hoe and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, ooh. And she's just going off. She's like, I got to come here on my day off to take our kid to his doctor's appointment. But you got time for this stupid bitch and just shit like that. And it was so funny. And that the girl that was on the porch with the guy very smartly did not say anything. She didn't, she didn't go, don't call me a hoe or like what, what's going on. She just sat there and averted her eyes and didn't say nothing, which was probably really smart on this, her part. Cause it was baby mama drama, you know? And uh, so She's going off on him and takes takes the kid, takes the stroller, and she starts, you know, walking down off the sidewalk. And that guy's only saying things to her like yes and no answers and shaking his head one way or the other. And he's mostly just taking it too. And uh, I'll always remember this. She she gets. She gets almost out of view. She's like half a block away now with the kid gone. So then this guy starts puffing his chest out and yeah, that's right, you stupid bitch, blah blah blah. And uh, you know, it was just so funny because he waited till this his ex, I assume his ex, was like almost out of earshot to start acting like he was tough in front of his new girl. And uh, I don't think she fell for it because it was pretty obvious, but it was really funny. Um, and like I said, this all happened maybe within a two hour span of sitting on this case. I've had some wild days with this stuff. A lot of times it's not wild. A lot of times it's boring. It's the normal 
neighborhood, quiet neighborhood, um, whatever. You know, I've seen drug deals going on or that I assumed. I mean, they're not obvious about it. You don't see somebody handing somebody a brick of cocaine or something. But I've, you know, I've been in neighborhoods where I see what it appears to be drug deals going on. And, um, you know, once or twice where it's, it may be prostitution going on. Um, and you see that stuff, you know, it's, it's not your business. I'm, I'm not police, you know. Um, so, but this was just you know, one thing after another. And, uh, you know, (laughs) it was just funny. Um, And then just to top it all off, um, that deaf woman comes back out later. I'm almost done with the case. I never ended up seeing the guy that day. Um, And especially back then, depends on the insurance company you're working for, but, you know, if you don't get any, action you don't see the person or you don't know their home you got to break off after after like four hours and um this was one of those cases never saw the guy and i never worked the case again which is probably a good thing um and she comes back out and she's looking at me and mad dogging me and i see her talking to a different neighbor um you know kind of half pointing at me and stuff and uh, I'm just laughed. It was just the whole thing. So was it scary for me personally? No, not really. No, nothing was scary. The scariest thing was the bounty hunters, and they're not going to do nothing to me. Excuse me. Um, but it was just, that was just wild. So... I thought that was a good one to start off with, you know, and, you know, I got to reiterate, if you're thinking about getting in this business, those days are few and far between, which is good because you'd never be successful at this or good at this. If every day was some drama, you know, that's not what you're looking for. Um, So these are outliers, you know, all these stories, this is over you know, three and a half years of doing this. So you're going to have those days. Um, so here's a few quick, but scary stories. And these are ones that guys told me this didn't, these didn't happen to me. Um, one guy I've worked with told me that on the first case that he worked with this current, you know, with the company I work for, He's worked for other companies before, but the first case he worked for my company, he was in a rural area. Now, uh, rural surveillance, country surveillance is way different than city surveillance. It's a lot harder. Um, Has its own set of tricks and stuff that you got to do to, excuse me, be successful at it. People out in the country usually know every vehicle that drives down their little road. Um, They don't want you sitting out there. They, you know, a lot of times you can't, there's no on-street parking out in the country. It's, it's just very, it's challenging. It's a lot of 
it's a lot of luck when you have rural cases. Um, you got to kind of get lucky a lot of times. There's things you can do to set yourself up to be more successful. Um, you know, some guys really like talking to neighbors and sitting in their driveways if the neighbor says that's fine. Um, that's got its own risk reward because in a lot of these areas, you know, there's six houses on the street and uh, five of them are related to each other. You know, the street's named whatever their last name is. I mean, stuff like that. So, and that's not all the time, you know, a lot of times you get a cool neighbor. You don't tell them who you're looking at anyways. Um, you bluff it. You say you look the other way and go, oh, I'm keeping an eye down this road. And, you know, but sometimes you run into them where they're like, they know their brother-in-law's on workers' comp, you know, or you're not the first investigator that's been on this street. That's the problem with a lot of these cases, especially if the person's been on comp for 20 years, 30 years, which is happens quite a bit. You're not the first person that's tried to catch them, you know, doing whatever they're doing. So those people are extra difficult. They're surveillance aware, you know. Um, but, you know, that's just a brief interlude about how how difficult rural, rural surveillance can be. Um, I just got had one other day that I got kind of chased out of the neighborhood because it was, it was rural and uh, I didn't really have much place to hide. Um, I'm not going to tell that story though, but you know, it happens. It's part of it. So this guy, it's his first day <laughs> with this company. He's working on a, a rural road. Um, he parked on the side of the road, which you can do. I've done it. It's a crapshoot. Most of the time it doesn't work. I don't really do it anymore, to be honest with you. It's something I kind of learned as I went that pulling on the side of a rural road is usually a losing thing. I mean, you can do it like briefly and you can pretend like you're trying to get cell service or you know, what I get a drink, take a piss, whatever, whatever. You can kind of, you can sit, you can sit on a road for a little bit, but if you're trying to sit there half an hour, hour, two hours, people are like, what the fuck's this car doing on my road? So he's sitting on the road. I think the guy had a farm um, and he's, you know, he sees the guy pulling out and um, okay, you know, but instead of going anywhere, the guy drives right up to him. And the guy has, he's, he looks at him and the guy's driving a truck and the guy has a shotgun sitting right next to him. One hand on the wheel, one hand on his gun. And the guy goes to him, you know, says something like, what the fuck are you doing on, on my road? And the investigator is like, oh, shit, you know, this guy's got a gun. And uh, he's like, oh, he gave him some bluff. Uh, I don't even remember what it was. Something, some reason why he was sitting out there. 
And the guy, he said the guy like totally kind of ignored him or didn't believe him and was like, well, you better hurry up what you're doing, pack your shit up and get off this road. And he didn't threaten him with the gun. He didn't point it at him. He didn't say, I'm going to shoot you or something, but he made it obvious. So then the guy went back to his house and uh, the investigator said, you know, he's like, my pride kept me there for, you know, another 10, 15 minutes because I didn't want to just take off right after here. You know, he did that, but I didn't. He's like, but I did leave. And that's a smart thing to do. I probably would have left as soon as the guy got back into his house because um, you don't fuck around. You don't fuck around with guns. You know, people are stupid and crazy and, you know. So he learned that lesson. And um, that guy really likes his big thing is asking neighbors to sit in the driveway. Um, And he's good at that and good for him. So, but, you know, we all learn different. And um, especially, especially that that's a quick way to learn, like, you know, to be careful on a rural road. Um, so the next one, um, probably even a little bit more scary, um, was told to me by another investigator. And he was working in a bigger city. Um, and he was in a, you know, a, a rough neighborhood. Um on street parking, you know, good stuff, but it was, uh, it was one of those things. And this happens too. And this isn't a race thing. I'm not, you know, this isn't not trying to make a racial comment or nothing. There's a lot of bad white neighborhoods, but this was a guy that this investigator is a white guy in his fifties or whatever. And he's in a neighborhood where he's the only white guy in his fifties sitting in his car. Um, so he's sitting there and he hears a noise like a like something crash into his windshield. He's looking and he sees like a little chunk of his windshield on one side is you know it's cracked. He's like, while he's thinking about that, he hears another one, but this is like on his roof, like a a ting off his roof. And it's like, what is going on? Then another on his windshield. This time, it like a BB or a pellet comes right. It it didn't shoot through the window, but it it broke into the window and it kind of it fell into his into his car. And then he realizes at this point, somebody from the windows of one of these uh, you know buildings is shooting a BB gun or a pellet gun at him at his vehicle. And I think he heard another, you know, one hit the, hit his, not his window, but it hit, you know, hit his roof or something. And he got out of there, you know, that's what you got to do. Got out of there. He called the cops. He called the cops. That's the difference between this story and the last story. Last guy doesn't call the cops because the guy didn't threaten him, you know, but this one, he was being shot at. So, and the cops look around, and most of these buildings are abandoned. And uh, I think, you know, he said he he never heard anything 
back about it. You know, they didn't catch whoever did it. You know, but that's that would be pretty scary to be honest with you. Even though it wasn't a big caliber gun, you know, you're still getting shot at. You know, that's dangerous. Um, so those were a couple of little stories that were told to me by other investigators. Um, so this next story was probably my personal most dangerous moment. Um, you know, I've had other stories that were maybe on par. Actually, I'm going to tell these two stories back to back and then maybe up on my social media, um, I'll put it to a vote, which one would have scared you the most. So, you know, think about that. But um, so this first one, I'm, I'm working up in a, up in Syracuse, New York, again, big city, you know, not telling you what part of Syracuse I was working at. I'm in a bad area. Um, and I note this right away, you know, I pull up across from a boarded up house. Um, but I got a good view of the, my claimant's place. Um, so it was a good spot for the street. There's some on street parking. He didn't necessarily stand out, but again, getting back to the comment that I made with the last story is I'm a white, you know, guy in my thirties. And this neighborhood was all, you know, black and brown. And, um, you know, you stick out. They, they clock me right away, you know. Um, and, you know, that's just nothing, not being racial or racist about it. It's just how it is. That's, that's how it works. You know, I stood out. And that's the worst thing you can do in surveillance is, is stick out. You want to blend in, you know. Um, so, um, let's see. Um, so I'm pulled up, you know, across from this boarded-up house, and um, I noticed next to me on the ground is all these recyclables. Um, it was garbage day, and uh, you know, maybe it was a little windy out, so somebody's recycling got blown all over the yard, you know, a lot of cardboard boxes and garbage and stuff. Um, so I'm there for a little bit and, uh, then out of nowhere from that boarded up house from, I didn't see him come out of the house, but I saw him come down the porch is this guy, you know, African-American, I'd say forties, you know, maybe early fifties. Um, and he looked rough. I mean, he looked like he wasn't living great. Um, you know, he kind of had that wino look to him. And uh, he says, he comes up to me, you know, I, I roll my window down. And uh, he goes, you 5-0? And, you know, what he's saying there is he's asking me if I'm a cop, you know, and that reference is Hawaii Five O, you know. That shows the guy probably wasn't like his fifties, you know, because that's kind of an old school reference. And um, I said no. I said he he insisted. He's like you're Five O, 
I said, no, man, I'm not. He said, you used to be, though. Which is probably his way of saying, uh, you know, you're, you're a private investigator. Because a lot of private investigators used to be cops. A lot of them. Um, but no, that's not my background. So I said, no, man, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just here doing my job. And, you know, I'm not trying to bother you. Um, nothing to do with you. Not not looking at you or nothing. Um, so he does, he must not like the answer. He gives me these little smiles, half smiles. And he starts, you know, slapping my hood with his hand. And, uh, you know, I kind of peek out of the car. I'm like, can you just get away from my car, man? Like, I'm not doing anything to you. Like, oh. Uh, so he walks over, and I don't know what he's doing. And then he grabs a piece of that that uh, recycling that's on the lawn, and he throws it on my roof. I'm like, what the fuck? You know, like, why is this guy hassling me? And then that, uh, you know, I don't do nothing. And then he grabs a bigger piece, like a box that hadn't been crushed, and he throws it on my windshield. So I windshield wiper it off, and I yell at him, you know, like, what the fuck are you doing? Get the fuck away from my car. And, um, you know, so at this point, He's like, you know, half smiling and mad dogging me. And he's on the sidewalk and I just, I pull away. You know, I'm not going to deal with that. I go to the other side of the neighborhood um, with a much worse view of my place that I was looking at. But, you know, what are you going to do? I'm not going to fight the guy. I'm not going to be stupid and, if you, you know... If he's that crazy and he thinks I'm a cop and he's throwing shit on my vehicle, what's he going to do? You know, is he going to pull a knife on me, pull a gun on me? I didn't want to stick around and find out. So I take, you know, but I did call the cops because, you know, he was throwing shit in my vehicle. And, and I'll tell you, these cops could not have given a shit less about what this guy was doing. Now, I get it. Big city, especially that neighborhood. The guy didn't shoot at my car or try to kill me, so they couldn't care less. They, they asked, is he still bothering you? No, I moved away. All right, well. You know, they didn't even they didn't even say that they were coming out or anything. They just whatever. So again, I don't get nothing on the case, and uh, I leave. And so I'm watching the news the next day, and I hear that like a block away, around the time that I was leaving there, like uh, a guy was murdered. Uh, I think it was gang violence related. Um, but, you know, I thought I had heard sirens kind of not long before that I was leaving. And it was probably that. 
Um, which just shows, you know, goes to show you it was, you know, it was a crazy area to be working in. Um, and so that was that story. So, you know, if you think that would have been a scary situation to be in, you know, I thought it was, you know, it was a little intimidating. You know, nothing really bad happened. But I used my brain, you know, and I just got out of there. So some guys are stupid and want to fight. You know, even some probably some, I don't know about anybody in my company, but maybe some other investigator would have got out and, you know, pushed the guy or done something like that. But you're just asking for trouble, you know. Even if you didn't start it, you can't let pride get in the way and you just got to make the right decisions. Um, so let's see. So that was that one. Um, the next one um, was also, you know, this is a scary, this one was scary for a little bit of a different reason. Um, and, you know, again, let me know in the comments with this or, you know, post, maybe post it on social media and, you know, story one will be the, the last one and this will be story two. And you can just let me know what you think, but which was, which would you find more scary or dangerous if it was happening to you? So this starts out with me getting a case file. Now, that's what we do. We get a file with some background information on the claimant. Um, uh, it varies, varies deeply. Um, sometimes all you'll get is a name, a height, a weight, and a sex. No picture, you know, nothing to go on, really. Just, you know, and that happens quite a bit. And then sometimes you'll get a picture. Sometimes you'll get a ton of information. Sometimes you'll get all their social media. Um, you know, it's just, it's a variety. Um, but this case file had something that I've never seen before in it, and I've never seen since. And it was the wildest thing that I've ever seen in a, in a, in a case report. And it said... The claimant has murderous ideations towards previous people who have investigated him in the past. Think about seeing the word murderous ideations. It's a very psychological term. So I don't know if they got this from like a counselor interviewed him or if he told his attorneys this or if they told the other attorneys or I don't know where they got murderous ideations from, but I saw that in the thing and that was nuts. Um, you know, and to make matters a little worse, um, you know, again, um, I'm not going to say what area I was in or even what state I was in because I'm licensed in the three states, but this man was a native American and he was real Native American, like, I don't remember his exact name, and I wouldn't tell you if I did, but it was something like Bill Eagle Feather or 
John Running Bones or something, you know, something like that. And, uh, you know, this guy was a intimidating guy. And um, when you see the murderous ideations thing, it's like, well, that's, that's pretty scary. So I ended up working this case three days. The first two days, nothing, nothing going on. The house I'm looking at looks abandoned, which happens. Um, you know, the driveway is blocked off, which was weird. And, um, you know, probably now, again, this is somewhat earlier in my career. I would have figured it out a little sooner. But, you know, I just, I didn't have much to go on. I don't think there was any other really current addresses for the guy. And, you know, I was just, you know, so the third day, there's a side road off of, and he's on a state, uh, you know, like a state or county road, which is these long roads all over that just, there's no on-street parking. It's just a long, you know, it's a highway, not a highway, but like a, you know, it's the roads that you would take if there wasn't a highway. It's just long stretches. That, cut through little towns and stuff and uh houses you know right up on that road and that's what the address is for the house and um but there's a side road about you know half a mile down on the same side and i pull you know i sit over there a little bit and i pull up it was went uphill quite a bit so pull up the road and the third day I noticed, you know, there's a house up there. There's a house on that road. Um, so it's not my claimant's address, but I don't know, just out of a hunch, it was the only house that was kind of in the area. I ran the license plate of the two vehicles that were parked in that driveway. Don't you know, they both come back to the guy's wife, the claimant's wife. So now I know that this guy's property must be pretty big. And that house that's up front is just like the house they use for the address because he's hiding, you know, they're hiding kind of. He might get mail there or whatever, but he don't live there. And then that way they can, it's just really sketchy, you know? So I learned this as I'm sitting at the end of this road. And, you know, I'm not, you know, I, I don't know how, I'm, you know, maybe a half a mile away from that house at this point, but I'm just sitting at the bottom, kind of near the first house that's on the main road, you know, right at the end of that little side street. So I'm on the same street as the, as the house that he's in. And I can see his house looking into my side mirrors. And I see a woman come out and uh, she's kind of looking down the hill at me, my vehicle, and she starts making gestures. And then I see a guy come out and it's him, you know, almost a stereotypical looking Native American guy, long black hair. And um, he's, he starts making gestures. And I remember he, he grabbed his crotch, grabbed his dick and like flip me off and stuff. And then he looks like he's gonna start going to like the vehicles. 
at this point, this is Mr. Murderous Ideations, and I'm not I'm not sticking around for to find out anything else. I take off, I cut down some side rows and boom, 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 boom. I am out of there. I let the case manager know um, what happened. And uh, I said, you know, I'm like, I'm not working this case again. Like, and she agreed. And I don't think they did any more work on the case, but I'd found the guy, you know, which was good. But, um, you know, this is, uh, this is a dangerous, you know, they even told me dangerous guy. And now he's knows my vehicle or, you know, he sees me down there and he's, he's upset and he's grabbing his crotch and, I didn't stick around to find out, you know, what he wanted to talk about or anything. So, um, so those are the two, you know, I have other stories with that stuff, but those are probably the two more scary situations. Um, so like I said, uh, I will post something on maybe my social medias and you can decide which one's scarier that you would think would be scarier. Um, get a little interaction going. Um, you know, it's, I got the social media pages, the deep dive with Nick Babel on Instagram, uh, Facebook's the same thing. You can look it up. Um, if you're not already following, um, so let me know what you think was scary. Um, so this is part one of a series. Uh, next time I'll talk, you know, about a totally different subject in the PI field. Um, stay tuned for that one. Um, thanks for listening. And, you know, I don't always push this, which maybe I should, but please, you know, if you listen and you like the podcast, you know, follow the social medias or follow us just on the, where you listen to the podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google play, follow, like upvote star, you know, all that stuff love comments you know that would be cool um you know let me know what you think let me know if there's anything specific with this that you want to hear about would be cool um all right guys so that is it um and everyone have a good day